Welcome to Down the Rabbit Hole, episode number 23. And this is the time for the news, the science news of July. And technology. And technology, of course. Of course. And Carl? Yes, Rafa. Please, your the uh, sponsor section. Yes, thank you. Uh, yes, a lovely morning. Uh-huh. Um, not so humid. Uh-huh. Maybe about 25 degrees. Okay. Blue skies. If you're, if you're in Cluj, you just need to look out of the window. Mm-hmm. And like always, if you're not... You don't care. This car, then maybe you don't care. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you, may, you may be a little envious, we don't. Yeah. Let's start. Okay. Shall I <laughs> do... And yes, because this one, I, I know, is one of your favorites. Uh, well, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a uh-huh. space geek, really, I suppose. Um, and, of course, we couldn't have news this month without mentioning the um, Juno mission, which I think is a joint venture between NASA and ESA, Um, I think. Um, Anyway, it's been on its journey for five years, and um, it's covered 1.8 billion miles, which is a reasonable amount in anybody's book. Oh, yeah. And it has arrived, and uh, it's arrived at Jupiter, and in order to um, kind of uh, stay at Jupiter, it had to insert itself into an orbital path. Mm-hmm. And it did that by firing its British-made engine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I'm, that's, I'm quite proud of that. So the main engine on Juno is British, uh-huh. and it had to fire for 35 minutes to slow Juno so that it would be captured by Jupiter. Uh, which it did successfully, and in fact, um, having made that journey of five years and 1.8 billion miles, um, the spacecraft has arrived at Jupiter orbit within one second of the planned time. Which is, oh, that's pretty accurate. It is certainly better than the railway system in the country I come from. Or even this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although possibly not Germany or Japan, I don't know, because they're very good, apparently. Uh-huh. Anyway, so why is Juno there? Um, it is really there because we've never really got really up close with Jupiter because it is very highly radioactive environment, uh-huh. very high energy environment, because it has a huge magnetic field. And it's really quite um, kind of detrimental to electronics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I don't know whether many of you know, but Jupiter, across its diameter, you could fit about 1,000 Earths across its diameter. Yeah, that's a lot. It's pretty big, right? Yeah. And um, Jupiter takes about 12 years to go around the sun. <laughs> and we don't know very much about it other than it's very large. Yeah. Um, it's mostly made of hydrogen and helium, mm-hmm. and we don't even know whether it has a solid centre. We, yeah, we don't know. We don't know many things about it. So literally, all we know is what we can see. Mm-hmm. And so Juno is now there, and it's actually, instead of going kind of round, as we expect things to go around the Earth, you know, kind of around the equator type stuff, mm-hmm. this is actually going polar, so it's going top to bottom. Uh-huh. And it's doing that because the huge magnetic fields causing all this high-energy radiation around the planet is worst 
on the equator. So yeah. it's actually going around polar so that it spends the minimum the amount, minimum of, amount of, of time going through all this uh-huh. stuff, right? And basically each, um, if I've got this right, each orbit that Juno does, um, it receives a, a radiation dosage of 20 million REMS, as they're called. Now, wow. Now, you may think that's a lot, you may not, but uh, to give you a reference, if you had a full-body CT scan, that would give you one REM. <laughs> and that is actually considered a lot, Yeah, actually, as a medical For humans, thing, yeah. right? So this uh, little uh, probe has got a lot to deal with, and in order to protect the instruments, the electronics, they've actually built a vault... And it's made of 1.2 centimetre thick titanium. Mm-hmm. And all the kind of delicate instruments and stuff, electronics, is inside that titanium box. And it's wrapped in lead. Well, apparently some of the avionics is also wrapped in lead as well, like lead sheet yeah, or lead. film, uh-huh, you know, lead, uh-huh. whatever. And one interesting little fact that... that fascinating me, but probably won't fascinate too many people, but I'll tell you anyway, <laughs> is that um, the problem is that you get these charged particles that are going really fast because mm. they've been whipped up by Jupiter's uh, magnetic field and they go straight through the uh, spacecraft. Yeah, they pass it, it by. Yeah, they go straight through, and if they hit a semiconductor chip inside, they can knock atoms off the chip and ultimately cause it to fail. Um, What they've done is a really simple thing, is they have used larger than normal kind of semiconductor technology. So today, the reason why your laptop computer is so powerful and it's so light and so on is that the semiconductor structures inside the chips are like four to six microns across. And there's, there's like... A billion of them or something, some ridiculous number in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a computer chip. For this mission, they've actually used, deliberately used, larger scale technology so that if you can imagine if a transistor, which is the kind of active yeah. element in a chip, if a transistor had a hundred atoms that made it up and 10 of them got knocked out with high energy particles, that could be a real problem. But because they're using this larger scale mm-hmm. technology, which maybe is a 500 or a 1,000 atoms, you can afford to lose a few and you don't... Without get, actually affecting yeah. it. So it's like a kind of quite a crude but simple kind of strategy to try and protect it. Which yeah. is, I thought it was amusing, but there you go. And another one-off for Juno is that it's the first solar-powered mission to go this far out... And the only reason why it is possible is because of improvements in efficiencies mm-hmm. of solar cells. So all that uh, development and manufacturing that's gone on to get solar cells on people's uh, roofs of their houses is also enabling this deep space mission to use solar power instead of, mm-hmm. say, a nuclear battery or something like that. So there you go. So... It is there, it has a um, bunch of instruments yeah. and a camera, of course. What, what's the main thing they will do? Well, what they're trying to figure out is uh, mainly what is it made up of? Has, mm-hmm. it, has it got a solid um, core? Is there water? Well, I think they already know there is 
water in the atmosphere, they're trying to measure how much. Uh-huh. And they're also trying to do, make, well, they're not trying, they're going to do measurements of the gravity and magnetic fields. All this information together with some obviously very clever maths and so on mm-hmm. will enable them to figure out, um, does it have a solid core? Is there actually a surface? Mm-hmm. And one of the things at the moment is that it has a solid surface, but it's actually, well, kind of, but it's actually a kind of frozen gas. So it's... Yeah. yeah, a solid <laughs> core frozen gas, which is quite weird, right? And one of the main functions or uh, interesting things uh, about the mission mm. was the Juno cam. Yeah, the Juno cam which is, is a color camera. A color camera, and we just before the show we watched a really neat recording, which uh-huh. we'll give a link to. We will put the yes, S. Uh, in its five-year mission, Juno had to build up considerable. I think it built up to about 132 or 160,000 kilometers as uh, an hour. It can't be a second, I don't think. Anyway, in order to do that, he had to do a number of these gravity slingshot things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them it did by the Earth in 2013. Uh, and while it was doing that flyby, they turned on the Juno cam and it recorded this amazing video of in color in color from a distance the earth is like a little marble little marble and it kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then and then just, you can see the moon crossing by you as can well see the moon crossing the by. orbit and then it flies, flies by, by the earth like you're on some kind of spaceship yeah which amazing course, you're getting it is an amazing thing to look at isn't it yeah and then the other thing that they've done is they've made a they've released and that's sort of released a recording of juno passing through into the magnetosphere of Jupiter uh-huh. out of the kind of magnetosphere of the sun, which is getting weaker out there. Yeah. And I think Rafa is going to play yes. this. It's Let, let's listen weird. a little. Yeah. And we can comment. Or... Yeah, please. Interesting. It is. I've seen this movie. <laughs> I suppose everybody noticed the change. Yeah, I presume. I think that's it. That's when it starts the bow shock. Oh. You, you notice the difference yeah. immediately. Jeez, right? That was it. Anyway, so if you ever travel to Jupiter and you have your transistor radio on, mm-hmm. that's what you'll hear. I don't think you'll get the station you want. No. <laughs> Have you managed to control that now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong button. <laughs> Wrong button. Now we crashed you. Yeah. <laughs> This is what happens when you try to record things live, right? So anyway, so that, so that is Juno, and yeah. it's, it's due to do 37 orbits and then plunge into the atmosphere. No doubt they'll be um, recording that as it goes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be lots of interesting discoveries, no doubt. Yes. So don't forget to check out the links that we will put in the show notes 
that will direct you to, to hear the sound and again see movie, and that see the, the video by. because in the video mm. you can see the graph and explains exactly the moments when you are entering or in yeah, and out of in the, the magnetosphere. magnetosphere. It's very, very fine. And of course, the flyby. The flyby is very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Do you, want, do you want to do, instead of doing that one, if I do that one, you do the, the one yeah. after that and then we can mix them up a bit? We do this one? Do you want to do that one? Yeah. This one is actually very interesting. Mm. It's... Uh, do you believe it? Well, it's interesting. Mm. I know, but we've heard this before. Right? There is... Uh, okay, let's first tell people let's tell them what, what it it's is. about. Yeah. Uh, this uh, company based in New York City, Wavery Labs, uh, they say that soon they're going to release the pilot of a pair of in-air, in-ear translators designed to let people who speak different languages understand each other in real time. So instant translation. Instant translation, Star Trek style, you know, yeah. that no matter what language you're speaking, you understand me and they will understand uh, and you understand them. Mm. Understand uh, you're being insulted everybody. in your own language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is a step forward. I think. <laughs> now, if I believe it, well, I don't think it's impossible, especially... If we consider that uh, some of the, for example, technology mm. used already by Samsung, mm. uh, which translates automatically mm-hmm. reading signs or people saying something to your phone, yeah. and you click translate and says back to you yeah. the text in your own language, mm. then it's just a matter of uh, removing that step in the middle of making somebody mm. kind say of. it into your kind phone. Kind of, but, but... I would raise a point, uh-huh. which is that th- although there are examples of very close to this kind of technology, uh-huh. um, they all rely on actually an internet connection because actually all the crunching is taking place somewhere else. It has to, yeah. So these things are going to fit in More your More likely, ear. they're going to be paired by Bluetooth or to by a phone, to a right? phone. They're going to have I to believe be, so. Right? It has to be with an extra stuff around, for sure. I, I don't think it has to, can be... Independent, uh, standalone. 100% standalone. Can't be. Unless our technology advances so much that we have everything, you know, in that little earpiece. Well, we don't believe that right now, no, do we? No, exactly. Well, and it's saying it's going to cost $410. $410 and available yeah. next year. Available next year. There's so many products available next year, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and... It's going to be called the pilot, yes. right? Now, the company intends to develop support for European and Germanic languages first, mm. but the Slavic, Semitic, Hindi, and Eastern Asian languages are not too far behind. I think what they should do is we should have a we should have a some kind of site where we the people decide who we think language wise desperately need to understand <laughs> each other first. And they should do those first. But I've, well, I've no doubt they'll do the popular uh-huh. ones, right? Well, in fact, uh, for example, in their website, actually they call it the pilot, mm. exactly I, because of I, this. I hope it's smaller than that. Look at that. It fits in the ear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's well, a wearable, so well, there's, certainly there's, it's... Uh, there's a video of people walking around perfectly normally. Yeah. Because obviously you can't. And they're actually using it. Yeah, allegedly. It it fits like in-ear monitors, you yeah. know, for singers. And yeah, they're like... Exactly um, like that. Well, they're like hearing aids, actually. Yes, hearing aids. And I'm sure they are paired with a phone or something. I think they must be. I just cannot see how yeah. that's going to work. They look actually nice. 
They're very organic looking, uh-huh. uh, aesthetically pleasing, and they're available next year. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept. Available in three colors, black, and yes, of course, there's a phone in the back. And I see a phone. Yes. Uh, and uh, of course, you can be able to stream from your phone music. Yeah. And, you know, oh, switch God. between languages. You never have to go out. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's not bad, I think. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I think there's just cutting a step between this trend. Well, I think the thing about it is it's a crowdsourcing project at the, uh-huh. in the final analysis. And, of course, proud, crowdfunding projects come and proud crowdfunding... God, that's really difficult to say, that. Uh-huh. Crowdfunding projects go, right? So yes. remember we had the example this year of that so drone, oh, the, the drone, yeah. the little drone that f- was meant to follow you around. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that has completely collapsed. Uh, people yeah. invested like a million dollars through a crowdfunding site. I think it was in <laughs> fact um, the, me- the big one, Kickstarter. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a complete disaster. And, uh, and, and at one point that was available next year. Mm. And then it became available and it didn't work. So... Let's hope they do it. Uh, well, the yeah. world needs it, right? Well, actually, actually, I think this would be a very useful device. Absolutely. When you go to conferences and yeah. things like this, you will not need any more to hire, maybe this taking <laughs> official translator's job away. <laughs> but ima- Or imagine that you go to on a vacation to, I don't know, mm, well, let's say I could Croatia. Use, I could use one here. Right. Yeah, you can use one here. Because I don't speak Romanian. You don't speak Romanian. I could... barely speak English. So. <laughs> you will be able to speak to people. Yeah. And, and again... Well, not to speak to people. If they are using also the same ones, they will understand you. Yes, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, idea, because yeah. that's the thing. The other person yeah. also should have them if you want to have a conversation. Yes. So, but, they, so they, I will be able to be insulted by Romanian and hear it in English... Uh-huh. But I still won't know how to come back. Uh-huh. But they can still tell you stuff and you will understand. I can point at words in a, in a dictionary. <laughs> back, <don't>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might work. Well. Anyway, it's an interesting. That's it, yes. It's an interesting thing because Let's it would see. solve a lot well, of language barriers and well, problems. A lot of language And make things easier. And make that company worth. A lot Two of billion money. dollars or more, yeah, probably. For sure. It'll be a unicorn uh-huh. company, right? Mm-hmm. As they call them. The next big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your turn now. Okay. Shall I do this one? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, what I wanted to touch on was biomedicine and a very heartwarming, really, and a very um, encouraging development uh-huh. in gene therapy. And uh, it has been effectively being trialled, shall we say, for about 15 years, this particular therapy. And the the disease that it's uh, meant to treat is this one where children are born w- essentially without um, an immune system. Mm-hmm. And many years ago, back in the mid-70s, there was a an American child who got referred to as the boy in the bubble, I think. Living exactly like in a bubble. He was literally living literally. <laughs> living in an inflating bubble because if he came out of there, he would just catch whatever immediately. Yeah, immediately. And what has happened is uh, obviously gene therapies have been kind of touted as the next big 
thing, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been there have been some successes and there have been some you know tragic failures, but the one for this condition, uh, which has been developed by GlaxoSmithKline, mm-hmm. um, has which been which is a big pharmaceutical, a huge pharmaceutical. Um, basically, they tested it on. 18 children, the first of them beginning 15 years ago. All the children are still alive, and all of them now have an immune system. Wow. And that is a fantastic. But look how many years it took. Well, I know, but this was... years, right? This was to test. Yeah. It was permanent. Of course. Right, because they could have given them the treatments and they got an immune system for six months and then it disappeared, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be very useful. No. So they, they they had to follow them through all these of through course. through puberty, I suppose, yeah. is what they were doing, right? What um, I mean is that we finally arrived there after so many years. We finally got there, and the um, the only alternate treatment currently for this immune deficiency is uh, a bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one option, which is sometimes fatal. And then there's only yeah. there's only one other treatment, which is a, an enzyme treatment that costs five thousand dollars per shot, by the looks of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this stem, uh, this uh, genetic treatment, gene treatment, is called Strimvelis, and uses this repair and replace st- strategy, mm-hmm. where literally faulty genes are snipped out of the patient's DNA. And the correct one is inserted. Yeah. It is science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. It is. It is fantastic. I mean, it's so interesting to be able, first of all, to detect, repair, and replace, or remove and replace. Yeah. Well, they call them um, like gene scissors snips. Uh huh. It's like a chemical pair of scissors that work only in that. And it's actually called CRISPR. CRISPR, yeah. C-R-I-S-P-R, I uh-huh. think it is. Yes. And they actually develop each pair of SNPs for the particular gene exactly they want to snip Exactly on that particular, out. yeah. And they actually use, obviously, the patient's own DNA, and it's tailored to them. Mm-hmm. I think it's, we're going to see so much more of this in the future, right? It's going to be certainly... It's going to be huge. Huge, I think. I mean, very, very interesting, at least. It's already huge, but it's going to become more and more mm-hmm. common. And Plus, this kind of therapy can be used also for other diseases oh, or problems. It is currently being investigated for... And there have been other successes using this same technology. Uh-huh. And um, obviously, we're we're now entering an era of personalized medicine, aren't we? Uh-huh. Where the treatment is tuned to you mm-hmm. but is extraordinarily effective yeah which is a, whereas at the moment we have drugs which are kind of like shooting a scattergun at a patient some patients it works for some patients it doesn't they don't know why blah 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 uh-huh. whereas, whereas this is op- opening up a whole new vista of potential treatment mm-hmm. so i thought we should and yeah. this, this was only That's, announced in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And from there, mm-hmm. we go to sixth sense. Oh yeah, we like we like a sixth. <laughs> we like a sixth sense on down the rabbit hole. Yeah, a researcher in the US thinks that he might have finally found evidence of another sense in humans, mm. and is the ability to subconsciously detect Earth's magnetic field. 
This is interesting. Huh? And the paper is on its way right now to be published. And after receiving research funding, the study might prove that ma magnetoperception in humans. Mm. Because it's present in animals, isn't it? Various exactly. animals we know now. So this ability is already present in insects, birds, mm. and mammals, such as dogs. Mm. And uh, it's shown that they can actually sense this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. this changes on it. Yeah. In fact, mm. one of the people say that, when, for example, have you noticed when there's an earthquake? Yeah. Uh, before it actually comes and mm. shocks the earthquake, that wave, mm. dogs... Mm sit down on a side <laughs> right. yeah and stay still yeah. they sense the they can sense uh, a the fluctuation changes, the fluctuation mm. yeah it's same with and it's birds isn't kind it kind of related to this same as birds mm. Mm -hmm. and i think we were talking just before we recorded that i was uh, looking at something about um uh magnetic field detection in birds and uh -huh. Uh, we were discussing that the European robin, the red robin, um, it is now known that that can detect the Earth's magnetic field through a feature of its eyes. Mm -hmm. And in its eyes, and it actually uses quantum entanglement, which is uh -huh. weird. In fact, the thing I was, it was a program I was watching, was about how quantum effects are being seen in more and more uh, kind of uh, things that were normally just thought of as biology, like um, um, chlorophyll, you know, when light falls on a leaf and uh, it hits chlorophyll mm -hmm. uh, cells and that then allows the cell, uh, the plant, to get sugars from sunlight and from splitting water and all this stuff. Um, it has now been shown, for example, that that also has a quantum function as well. There's a quantum tunneling going on. Yeah. And that this red robin thing is a quantum effect. And I wonder whether this will ultimately, this human detection, mm -hmm. will ultimately turn out to be a quantum effect yeah. going on in the old upstairs there. Yeah, actually, uh, what I was wondering is, okay... Mm. If it's proven that we can actually detect it mm -hmm. as humans, mm -hmm. what would be the impact or the applications or what can we... What can we do with it? We'll do with it. Because, of course, it could be that it's become like atrophied as a... As a, as a sense. As a sense, and it's yeah. just kind of residual. Because like you said now, birds they use, use it. it. They? Yeah. Yes, but us as humans... I mean, we're always getting lost, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, wrong and, turn. <laughs> and of course, men, of course, we, we refuse to ask for directions. So uh -huh. this could be useful if it could uh -huh. be. Uh, well, also in the article says that uh, they, uh, some of the experiments at the beginning failed because mm -hmm. of electromagnetic interference. <clears throat> but they built a Faraday cage yes. to fight this. And the, the subject test, uh, the test subjects were sitting in the Faraday cage, pitch black with pure magnetic field only stimulus inside mm. it, which is the exact same test setup they did for detecting it in birds. In birds, they built a Faraday cage, cage. And, and applied a magnetic field to the Faraday cage that uh, simulated the Earth's magnetic field. Exactly, it's exactly now, but with humans. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had to happen, right? So that they could try to detect it. And I'm sure there will be an app for that shortly. Maybe. If I, I feel a Kickstarter product <laughs> coming on that will be available next year. Yeah. 
for yeah. sure. But I it'll be under four hundred dollars because <laughs> I think that's the magic no, one nine nine. Yeah, you just wear a little thing on your head. App tells you the direction. Tin foil. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tin foil hat. <laughs> I must do a program on that kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. so anyway, we got one other thing, haven't we? To uh, uh-huh. oh no, we've got a couple of things yet. Yeah, we have, for example, also uh, this uh, news about uh, this was a good one. The AI, mm. an AI that uh, I don't know if we could call it, it defeated or it won a battle, didn't it? Uh, it was an air battle, an air challenged, battle. Yes. Mm. Uh, human fighter pilots in air combat uh, simulator. Mm. But you would say, well, what's so surprising about it? Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that uh, that the uh, the AI mm. was managed and run on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that is scary. And and apparently, I also read that the capabilities of the aircraft that the AI had was less than the capabilities of the human fighter pilot simulators. Uh-huh. This is called the Alpha mm. and runs in a $35 Raspberry Pi. There you go. There's the future. And actually, I was checking also the the new Raspberry Pi 3, yeah. or the latest one, and it's incredible. It's fantastic, but yeah. it's... Yeah, but that is still shocking. <laughs> it is. run on the Raspberry uh-huh. Pi, right? <laughs> And you run in the army an AI that can, you know, challenge pilots. I'm sure the Air yeah. Force are taking note. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd, they'd love to replace expensive pilots with uh-huh. Raspberry Pis. Okay. Well, that was about uh, AI. It was just a very show, yeah. short... There's, uh, there's not a lot to say about it at the moment, is there? No. They're not being allowed to fly uh, commercial airliners yet. Mm-hmm. But it will come. And the next uh, news is one that we have seen actually, or I have seen also, I don't know if you have seen it, has been published all around actually right now. Mm. Well, it's been going on for a long time. It's a long time, but now, I don't know, got like a hype. Mm. Everybody's posting about it. Mm -hmm. And it's the confirmation that the ozone uh, hole is healing. Mm. And the news says that uh, scientists from MIT confirmed that the hole in, in the ozone layer above Antarctica has shrunken by about 4 million square kilometers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so proves that the worldwide boycott on uh, CFCs is yielding positive results. Yeah. But, and the result is just being seen 30 years after yeah. the protocol was established. Which is amazing, actually, that we've actually uh-huh. managed to fix something. One thing is actually working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and at that mm-hmm. level, at Earth's level. Well, at global... I, for me, that was the most impressive part. Global cooperation. Yes, that at a world scale level, yeah, it's working. We need to figure out what how those guys did that and apply it to a few other <laughs> things, right? And well, certainly there's lo- there have been a lot of uh, protocols like this established to the have. Uh-huh. But, but if you look at the last round of the um, climate change uh-huh. stuff, I mean, you know, <sighs> do you have confidence? I don't. Uh, well, I don't know if we have to relate right now ozone with climate change mm-hmm. in this moment. What if there's other external factors like we have mentioned before, mm. the HARP projects and so on, <laughs> uh, which, project. yeah, might sound a little too conspiracy theory, yeah. Yeah. but the projects are real. 
Yeah, I agree. Yes, there's so, no doubt about that. You never know what they are actually really doing and affect some of the weather, but yeah, we're still not there. Starts to work, at least with the house on the hole in there. Well, at least that is working. But, but in- there's still a lot of more stuff that we need to fix around. In, cl- in terms of climate change threats, we're not really doing very well, are we? We're, we're heading towards the one and a half, two degrees temperature mm. rise, yeah, which yeah. is, <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly. Um, so it's worrying. Yeah. But I'll be long gone by then. Mm-hmm. Well, they are estimating actually that the hole will be completely closed by 2050. Mm, I'll be long gone by then as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not no going to be around for all. that. Yeah. I'm not going to be around for that. But it's good news, right? Yeah. yeah and it's it. news that everybody is now circulating, so yeah. why not mention it? Well, on the climate front, good news is um, not that common, mm-hmm. is it? No. So it's worth worth mentioning. Yeah. Anyway, so... Well. There We're we done. There we go. A good a good span of news there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have news that you would like to recommend. Absolutely. For everybody to read, share them with us. Yes. Write in the comments. Let us know mm-hmm. if you could do any Kickstarter project you wanted, what would it be? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Why not? What would you like to accomplish with yeah. that Kickstarter project or that crowdfunding project? Yeah, that more? crowdfunding project doesn't have to be Kickstarter. Other crowdfunding sites are available. I'd just like to say that. There are. There are. Indiegogo and Indiegogo, there's all there's kind a of, number of them, other right? stuff, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's really kind of chiming off this uh, Universal Translator thing. That is a crowdfunded yeah. project. And maybe that question could be more tailored to what kind of sci-fi idea would you put right as a crowdfunding yeah project and would it be available next year <laughs> yeah that is important and we need a price point <laughs> to be less than 400 dollars <laughs> so we're willing to accept it will be available next year but how much would you sell it for so like you mm. know or would you make it available for everyone for free You've been reading too much science fiction, Rafa. Maybe. We're in the Asimov zone. (laughs) Anyway, let's wrap it up. That's it, yeah. Thank you, Carl. Uh, See you next week with another interesting topic. Absolutely. So, my name is Rafael Ruiz, and we'll talk to you next week down the rabbit hole. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Darkmind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Darkmind Radio 2016.